How's it going? I'm Mike Head Brewer and co-owner at the Establishment Brewing Company, and today we're talking about our recent mixed culture sour beer release, Astronomy Domine. On the bottle, we're featuring local artist Cassie Such, and this is a Belgian dark strong beer aged in oak barrels on our house cultures. So this is a really exciting beer for us because it's the 100th batch we've ever brewed here at the Establishment Brewing Company, and we decided to make an absolutely massive beer with a ton of malt character, uh, traditional to Belgian style, so we used uh, dark candy syrup in the process. We did a primary fermentation with a Belgian yeast in stainless steel tanks. Then we transferred it into oak barrels and added our house cultures and allowed that beer to kind of transform over a course of over a year. Um, the beer itself is uh, extremely malty. It's got tons of uh, bread rind, uh, dark caramel notes, uh, and it also has like a complex layer of fruitiness. And some of that fruitiness comes from the original Belgian yeast, but a lot of it actually comes from the malt and also from the botanomyces that were kind of doing its work during that entire year of, of aging in the barrels. Uh, so you can kind of expect uh, blackcurrant, cherry, prune, and plum characteristics kind of working their way together with a moderate level of acidity from the lactic acid bacteria that are present in our house cultures as well. And that acidity kind of helps balance that absolutely massive malt character. The beer is 11.1%, so it can be cellared for quite a long time. Uh, so if you do pick up a bottle, consider uh, you know drinking one now or maybe cellaring it for a little while uh, in a dark, cold spot. Maybe like a basement's like really great. And uh, report back and let us know how it changes, because that's kind of part of the journey with these beers. Uh, they're unpasteurized. Uh, the wild yeast cultures are still present in the bottle and they're ever changing it. Come visit us at the tap room. We have this beer available in 750 ml bottles and also on tap, which is a pretty sweet treat. We hope you like this beer as much as we like making it. Cheers. Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, from the band Small Black, it's Josh Kolnick. Why now for cheap dreams? Um, wow, that's right to the point. Um, you know, I think we took a long time working on this record because after the last record, we were like, why does, why does the world need another small black record? Why, you know, does it need it? You know, what, what's the point of this? So I think we just needed to do a little, a little soul searching with the band and kind of think about our method a little bit. And honestly, this record was pretty much done at the end of 2019, at least like, uh, it was like 90 or 95% written and recorded at that point. And then the pandemic hit and we were kind of in the middle of mix and we ended up just taking more time because we didn't really see any sort of rush to, uh, to get anything out there just because we couldn't really play shows around it. So I think we just kind of, sat on it for a couple extra months, which is honestly very luxurious and, and great and kind of got us off that hamster wheel of do the record, then tour. And I don't know. It was nice really to just have that, that time to reflect on the mixes and make sure they're kind of what, exactly what we wanted. And I think we ended up with something where like, I don't listening to it. I feel like I wouldn't change anything, which is not how I feel about some other things we've worked on. 
Well, getting to write a lot of this in 2019, would you say that you were thinking a lot about the live show then? Or or have you thought about what a lot of these songs are going to look like whenever the world does open up and you get to go tour this album? Yeah, I mean, we actually got together for the first time in like probably a year and a half as a full band and practiced these songs like a week or so ago. Um, And they were really easy to to arrange and like figure out how to do it in that arena, which I think confirmed, I don't know, just the writing style and, and the the idea that this record something that we can really get behind in a live arena. I mean, I think, I don't know if you know how deep you know the history of our band, but like our first record is like super lo-fi. It's like mm-hmm. all really like dinky Casios and these, these things that are like, kind of impossible to do live like it's it's really it was really intimate and about that sort of process and I I think through your you know almost a decade of touring now like you start to write stuff that's going to work in that world because it doesn't it's it's intimidating to try to turn your little bedroom thing into something that's going to captivate people in front of you and I, I just think I don't know you just want to stand up there and feel 100% behind whatever you're, you're putting out there. Do you feel like you're still experimenting a lot with, with lo-fi kind of, kind of elements in your own personal life? What do you mean? In, in terms outside of music or like a lo-fi lifestyle? <laughs> well, no. Well, just like even, even not writing for Small Black, would you say that if you're just like fucking around <laughs> coming up with something that you're really always, I guess, resorting back to that lo-fi aesthetic? Yeah, it's funny. When we, I think a lot of times we'll get asked to do strip-down sessions and, like, I think a lot of bands and think it's, like, break out the acoustic guitar and, like, uh, you know, and, and the piano or whatever. We, we do a little of that, but I think our first instinct is just, like, break out the, the, the crappiest Casio we can find. And, like, that's, like, our version of acoustic is, like, really lowering the fidelity of everything. Um, yeah, I think these elements sneak into our music and we love to use sort of weird samples and um, I think on the song Tampa that's on the new record, like the main lead synth is a weird Casio. So those elements I think are intrinsic to the sound of the band and they do show up, but it's not like, uh, it's not the basis of the track. Although I, I do demo a lot still on a four track and with my Casio because it just kind of has that immediacy and, and simplicity. That's really nice for songwriting. Growing up, what were the kinds of things that you were on the lookout for? Was it easy to get the kinds of art that you wanted growing up, or did you find that you were having to create it yourself, the things that you really wanted? Um, hmm. I mean, I, I've been in band since I was 11 or so, so I always wanted to make my own version of whatever I was seeing, and I... You know, I, I was intrigued by your podcast because I, you know, made tons of movies in high school and I'm heavily involved with um, all our videos and the visual concepts of the band. I did film under undergrad as like a minor, so that making the visual 
part of it too it has always been a, a consideration for me like I, I really thought I was going to be a director that's what I really wanted to do when I was uh in high school and I kind of just went the other way and followed the music thing but it's something that I love and it is a way to kind of just make a total visual identity to go with the music would you say that anything that you learned in film school influenced the way that that you perform as an artist yourself? Um, I think more so like the the songwriting and the the concepts for the songs more so than performing. Um, trying to make this interesting. Um, yeah, like I'm constantly, you know, I'm a deep like criteria nerd, and I'm always pulling, you know quotes from movies and, and sneaking them into songs and stealing phrases. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the relationship between cinema and, and music and kind of what... Because Ryan also in Small Black is all, was also a film undergrad major. And, uh, you know, Juan, our bass player, also, like, has produced TV shows and stuff. So there is that... I don't know. There's like that visual accompaniment always for our music. So um, I don't know. I always approach the videos as sort of mini movies and we tend not to be in them and we just like to work with directors and try to get them to achieve whatever vision they're looking for that kind of fits our song. What would you say some of the earliest films that really shaped who you would become were? Um, my favorite movie ever is probably Badlands. Um, I saw that probably in high school. Um, I think a lot of the 80s sci-fi stuff kind of stuck with me. And those are like movies I kind of saw that I wasn't, um, cognizant of it affecting me, like stuff like Starman and, um, Close Encounters and um, like it's later like Man Who Fell to Earth like just that sort of alien next door vibe um, I'm trying to think of other early stuff I, I watched a lot of like classics with my mom she was obsessed with that movie Rebecca I probably watched that like 50 times um, Billy Wilder stuff um, it's kind of endless. Have you noticed that a lot of other chill wave and even dark wave artists that you've that you've run across also have this <laughs> wanting to be a director kind of kind of mentality? Because I feel like a lot oh, yeah. of I, I feel like a lot of the artists in and especially chill wave and dark wave really grew up loving cinema. What do you think it is about this genre? Um. Well, like. I know, like, Alan's my buddy from the Indian, and he's, like, you know, he's been trying to get a feature going for a while, and he's been directing a bunch of his videos. He's, like, you know, kind of a prime example of this. I mean, I think if you're into synth music, you know, you're into the computer and you're into editing, and that skill set is very... Um, it just lends itself to the other. Um, like, I work on movies on the side. I do archival research, and... Um, 
and just like uh, it's just an editing for stuff. And I think it's it's just the same brain. Like I I realized I was pretty good at it just because I understood the beat of a film, like immediately because of just making music. Um, and I think you know a lot of chill wave stuff is very ethereal and it's got that that looseness and to it and like you know the sort of evangelist style sense and things that we do associate with the 80s cinema and it just kind of lends itself to wanting to have a really strong visual to go with it so would you say that there's any sounds or instruments that you've always wanted to try to incorporate into small black that you just maybe haven't so far? I, I always love harmonica. I feel like it's a really underutilized instrument. It, uh, if you kind of run it through pedals or make it weird, it's got that, that sort of American connotation to it. Um, it's obviously associated with folk music and country music, but I always think it, it's, it's pretty cool. I think it's on one song on our record, New Chain, where it's like run through a distortion pedal and like kind of made the sound like a horn but i i think it's got a kind of a, a cool charm to it I, I don't know if it like aesthetically fits exactly with the band but it, it there's definitely something there when you go to write a new album do you usually have this vision in mind or does it not come until everybody sits down and and you just start working through it um i think it really depends on the record you know like it depends on kind of what point of the process we're in. Like, I think a record like New Chain, like our second record, that was like 100% the vision was there from the get-go. Whereas like the next record, Limits of Desire, we probably spent like, you know, six months to a year kind of just working on stuff, trying not to feel too precious about anything until we kind of found a through line for it. Um, as far as this new record, Cheap Dreams, um, the song "The Bridge," which we just just put out in the world, that was the first song we did. And we probably did it on like 2017, so a while ago. It kind of set at least like the um, the lyric template for the record and like the content we wanted to deal with. And then I think all the other tracks that came after that had to kind of at least fit in in that world. So. Um, so yeah I mean it, it really it, it, there's three of us that write in the band so it, it's always going to be a little bit of chance and, and it's going to be a group vision it's not just just mine as the lyricist like so you just kind of have to be open to the, to the process and you know I think we have a, a real respect for each other as performers and writers and um, we've worked together for so long that, uh, I don't know, we, it just, it just kind of comes naturally over, over time. Have you pretty much just been only editing this album, uh, during the pandemic or have you been working on new material as well? I mean, we've always got new stuff happening, um, I feel like we finished we finished mixing the record over last summer, and I think everybody's kind of doing their own demos right now. 
and we'll probably reconvene like kind of right after this album comes out while we're waiting to hopefully tour it to kind of work on new stuff. But honestly, like running an album campaign is really exhausting in 2021. Like the amount of stuff you need to like cut through the noise and trying to make it all quality. It's really kind of endless. Like, this week I'm like teaching myself how to do like a three camera live stream. You know, it, 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 it's a lot. I think that the hats that musicians have to wear now that like are trying to make a career out of it is it's a ton and, and cutting people in, whether it's a manager or a label, like they better be worth their money. Otherwise, you know, you might as well just do it yourself. How do you feel about live streams in, in this environment? Do you, do you like them? Do you, What's your take on it? I mean, it's just something to do. You know, I, I think people like to pop in for a second, like check out a song or two. And um, I don't know. It's just, it, it just was, especially at the beginning of quarantine was a way to just have a connection with somebody. I mean, honestly, we didn't do much because we're, we were still kind of figuring out this record, but um I don't know. We've done a bunch of DJ stuff, which is just honestly pure, purely fun and a way to kind of play our own tracks and do remixes and, and, and put stuff out there that way. But I can't say I've watched that many full concerts. Like it, a lot of going to, I mean, a lot of concert for me is being there and, and, and that thing, you know, the division of performance and being in the crowd and, I don't know, being sweaty, <laughs> having a beer, you know, I feel like I just missed that, that part of it. And, and the live stream, like, can't really make up for it. You said that you were very uh, vocal and instrumental in, in the visuals of the band. This new yeah. uh, Ryan Draybrook, uh directed video, how much, how much input do you have when you bring somebody like that in? Or do you kind of try to let them shine and you maybe come in in the editing room how much collaboration do you really have when you bring another director in? It really depends on the video. Like Ryan is a kid I found on just on Instagram like a year ago. And we've kind of become just pretty close over quarantine, just like texting and zooming and stuff. And basically the cover image I found, and I was like, what if we make a video out of the cover image? And so he basically just kind of, use that as a jump off and um, kind of brought the album art to life. As far as the collaborative process, like, yeah, I think I'm had, as far as that video, it was more of an editing, sorry, concept in terms of like letting them know what shots were working, which ones weren't like each shot of that video. It's pretty meticulous. They're all thought motion frames. So I feel like I was pretty annoying because I wanted it to be perfect and I kept making him shoot more because I feel like he just needed one more and he finally got that one frame that's like uh, 40 windows or so like all appearing at once and and that kind of locked the video in for me and I feel like there was a really good back and forth with with he and I that got to that image and and it kind of helped to elevate it. Well, and you guys first were, were starting to play as a band in that post-production studio, correct? 
Yeah. So what what kinds of stories do you have from that building? Was it? Do you feel like that maybe inspired you more so than than any actual finished film ever could? Just being in in a post production film studio. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, yeah, town one. You're talking about the Brill Building thing that I've mentioned. Yes. So this is like kind of pre small black. This is where Ryan Ryan and I met the other two guys, Jeff and Juan, kind of through the studio and through our friend Shane Stoneback, who's gone on to be a really successful producer. He's done like uh, the first two Vampire Weekend records, all the Cults records, um, Playbills. So he kind of like hooked us up as as friends, and I just used to be in there with him till. You know, we didn't usually get access to the studio till like 10 or 11. So typically we'd work from like 10 to 5 a.m. And I, I don't know, Shane is, is legitimately a maniac. Like for a while he was just living in that building. He had found like an open office and he really didn't sleep very much. So he, he just would kind of crash on the couch for like three hours at like from like five to nine or something. And then we would, I don't know, he would just like, just crush diet coke all night and like just just make it happen but yeah i remember being in there and like i remember for bjork we, like bjork was in the room before us like doing the cream master score with matthew barney it was like uh i feel like southland tales i think was in there it was doing it like the donnie darko follow-up guy richard kelly's movie um i don't know it it's it, it, it more tv so like they do like Law and Order, I think, was very omnipresent in that studio at the time. But it it was really an interesting time, and uh, definitely where all of us kind of found our studio chops. You guys have played a lot of just festivals in general. Would you say that? Yeah. Would you say that the festivals are a place where you you've noticed the most growth in your audience, or has it just been this constant uptrend for you guys? And it just <laughs> you've just noted it, noticed it at your solo shows, and and not even really take into consideration what what the festivals are doing. Um, I think we're really lucky to have a super sort of just a really dedicated fan base, and it, it's not huge or anything. But I, I think the people that are into our band are really into it, and and they constantly reward us with. I don't know, just like testimonial stuff about the songs and people playing our songs at their weddings. And I don't know, people have found a human connection and that's kind of what we're after with the band. So festivals are fun. You know, I, I enjoy playing them. I feel like they're very difficult for bands, I think, especially like sort of middle-class bands like our band. Like you're kind of up against it, against the headliners in terms of like, production and time slot and um it's just it's a lot and you really have to be on your game to make it work because the turnover for those time slots is so short it's like 20 minutes 30 minutes and you know then you're playing in front of you know a couple thousand people and it's it can be really nerve-wracking so i like it and it's fun to get out there but i i kind of much prefer a club show with our fans i always feel like it's it's the best experience for playing playing the music well josh thank you so much for coming on the show today uh it really means a lot to me 
I I hope everybody checks out this new album. And Thanks. do you have anything else coming up in in the future that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, we just just the record. We'll have a bunch of there's a couple more music videos coming. Um, there'll be some sort of a live performance that we're working on that we're just kind of still setting up the date that'll be around the release of the record, but we're still kind of figuring out the details for that. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping we're going to be touring later in the year, so we'll see how see how the rest of the Vax rollout goes, but I, I'm pretty optimistic. Well, Josh, thank you so much. Yep, thank you. Thank you for listening. That new small black album, Cheap Dreams, is out April 9th, 2021 through 100% Electronica Records, their brand new record label. And if you haven't heard that new single, Duplex, make sure to check it out now. This concludes our broadcast day.